0: Hello, and welcome to Podcast, the number one podcast for product teams. The Podcast podcast is dedicated to bringing you key insights and learnings from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. The only sustainable competitive advantage in your career is to continually learn and grow. And the Podcast podcast is all about democratizing shared learning for product teams. On today's episode, we're going to hear from Sean Kumar. Senior Product Manager at one of the world's largest business travel agencies. In the same way that product management is a strategic role, Sean shares how to be strategic in your career, taking advantage of the right opportunities and knowing when to say no. I'm excited for you to hear what Sean has to say. Let's get started. Hello. Awesome. So thanks for joining us. Um, Maybe we can start by having you introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do today.
1: Yeah, sure. So I am a senior product manager for a major um, business travel company, and I manage uh, a certain vertical of product in that company uh, the data reporting platform. And uh, I've been a product manager for probably four, five years ish at this point.
0: Very cool. So, Sean, you didn't start out in product management. In fact, w- when you were in school, you, you, you know, did your undergrad in economics and then did your your master's in um, international business. So tell us how you made that transition from school into the workplace, ca- kind of what you did. I think you started in, in QA, right? That is
1: correct. So when I was in grad school, I actually studied two dual masters. It was information systems and international, MBA international business. So while I was in school, um, I was doing two things. I was a web developer, and I worked for Google as a contractor. make that clear, it was a, like a part-time QA role for Google. It's, uh, they use a crowdsource system to get help with their search engine and get uh, testers out there. So I was remote during grad school. It was perfect for studying. Um, it was, plus, it was Google, so it was interesting. And I uh, did that for a little while. Um, Had the technical background there. And then from uh, school, I jumped into a company called IQ Navigator. And from there, I was probably somewhat of a product manager, but my title, I mean, what I was doing was more project management. And that was back in 2007 or 8 ish or so. And uh, back then, product management was different. Um, So they officially titled me senior product manager, but I was not a product manager. I was a project manager is what I was doing. So uh, it was more just managing features coming out and stuff like that. So writing okay. use cases back in those days.
0: Very cool. And and so those listening might not know that the nuances between project management and product management. So could you just give a, a brief delineation there?
1: Yeah, so I would call Project management, more you're given a budget. You're given uh, a set of uh, features you have to release and you're you know, tasked with executing that on a, t- on a timeline. <laughs> Product manager, you're more on the business, what I call the business side. You're more developing strategy. You're determining what features to release or not. You're taking feedback, quantitative and qualitative data, To kind of see, well, this one we need to sunset, this feature, or this feature we should release because we have this feedback or this data is trending upwards. So it's, it's a difference. One, you're more of a task taker and the other, you're more of a strategy.
0: Got it. So it's really that difference between strategy and execution.
1: Correct. Correct. And on that note, product owners in some companies tend to be also the executor. So it's sort of uh, a little similar to a project manager by they're writing user stories or whatever they're doing, working with the dev team. And uh, they work with a product manager to determine um, you know, what will be released when. So it's sort of a similar type of role. It varies from company to company. You know, Sometimes a product manager does both product and product owner role execution. So it just depends.
0: That's what I've heard is that uh, based on what company you're at, there's different levels of expectation, which makes navigating the the job seeking market in this discipline kind of difficult.
1: Yeah. It makes it more complicated. Right. Um, And I, and I haven't actually worked in a company where they were separated. It's just what I've been told. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just not what people typically do. It's just, it's a cost resources it costs time and money. Currently at my current company, we are looking at separating the two. Uh, so they're doing it the correct way.
0: Very good. So before we uh, keep progressing through, I kind of want to take a step back because you said you were doing web development during your college days, but you didn't go to school for that. So did you like teach yourself how to how to develop?
1: Yeah, so what's interesting about that, I, a friend of mine was doing web development in Dreamweaver. And it was super easy back then, but it was not the way you should do it. So that's it was an easy entry into getting into web development, right? You didn't have to learn... Uh, the raw code. I knew HTML back then, but you know, a lot of the, um, the specifics about how to call images and like that, I did not know. So Dreamweaver definitely made it a lot easier. And back then, we thought that was the wave of the future, but that wasn't the case. So that's how I got into web development. We started getting clients. You know, we started uh, working for small mom-and-pop shops, um, and just kind of went from there. And was doing that for about four or five years.
0: Oh, so how much of that, like, did did any of that um, help getting the opportunity that you got in the the contract role or or after?
1: Yes, because even though I was using that platform and doing using Dreamweaver, uh, what it did do is it helped you understand how uh, web technologies work. It helped you understand certain things like, for instance, DNS or something like that. So it helped you understand that. And... Just to just to clarify, while I was using Dreamweaver, we're, I was also going into uh, open source platforms and modifying some of the PHP. So I was learning that too, kind of trial by error, like WordPress or Joomla. So I learned a little bit, a lot there, probably a lot more there about databases and how to troubleshoot PHP. So that was one thing. You know, it's one thing that when somebody builds code from raw. It's another thing if you're just troubleshooting it.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. It- And so you you had a QA role uh, as a contractor, Mm -hmm. you you became a project manager, and then you went back to QA. So why the transition back?
1: Well, so I was recruited by a um, guy out of uh, Bay Area. He needed help with his startup. And he was recruiting me. I had just gotten laid off from uh, IQ Navigator and he needed help. To get a startup going, and he needed QA help, so he saw my background and said, "Well, I don't need a project manager right now, but can you help me with QA because we don't have any?" So I, I basically started and helped b- build the whole entire QA, okay. um, which I'd never really done before. That um, Google Google QA was a much more prescribed, you know, much more uh, rigid. Where this was, okay, start QA in our. St- QA in our platforms
0: so well, what was that experience like having to kind of build something from the ground up that you were familiar with but hadn't really done before
1: it was it was you know it seemed simpler at the time I was like well I just need to test the sites but it's got much more complicated the more I did it as as we did releases you know there would be there'd be some lessons learned there where there was bugs that would come out so you know nobody likes bugs or major bugs so I had to kind of develop a strategy on how to prevent those from coming out. So I had to learn how to write test cases and I had to learn how to, you know, use Selenium IDE for automation and things like that. So it was a long learning process.
0: That seems to be a pretty common denominator for professionals who, who find success in their careers is that they're always having to learn something. So
1: Something by demand, right? It's like there's a demand in a certain area and then. It's either sink or swim.
0: Exactly. Well, cool. And so you helped get the startup the startup off the ground. Uh, was that Iron Horse? Just to to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And well, so I mean,
1: they were already working uh, quite a bit. They just didn't have much um, QA at the time.
0: Got it. Okay. And then you were able to kind of grow a team, becoming the the QA manager. Is was that um, just out of necessity for the company, or was the company growing? like?
1: It was out of necessity for the company's growth, yes. It was growing at an uh, exponential rate, and there was a lot of um, platforms we had to test. It was more than one person could handle. So we, had to,
0: we had to recruit
1: uh, some other engi- other QA analysts.
0: Okay. So you knew the, the individual that recruited you to the company, I believe you said, is that correct?
1: Well, we had been talking for about a year, yes.
0: Okay, okay. So, so whenever you know, it was acknowledged that the team needed to grow. Um, what do you think he attributed to you to say, Hey, I, I think, you know, Sean is the person to to lead this team. Like he's good at QA. He's kind of built this thing from the ground up, but I really think he could lead a team.
1: You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I think, I think what it was was just the basics where I was there the longest in QA. I knew, uh, I knew the platforms, I knew what to test, what, you know, how to do that and what approach to take. Uh, I think there was more along those lines, this experience at the company. As far as the leadership, yeah, I mean, there was definitely that because because of
0: my experience. Okay. I guess that project manager position did come open eventually because that's what you transitioned into into next.
1: Now, keep in mind when when you're in a small company, you just kind of wear many hats. Right? <laughs> Got it. So you don't, it's not delineated in the same way a big company is. So it's just like, you know, people need help with something and you just go and just do it. So I tended to go rogue quite a bit. Um, and you know, just started helping people, helping projects more and more and more. I was still being a QA manager or being a QA tester also. So again, it's wearing many hats.
0: Okay. But you you didn't have to go do those things. So, you know, what was it about being in a small company that, you know, you felt the freedom and autonomy to go do that?
1: You see a need, you see a demand, you see a project that needs help and you, you volunteer yourself. One of the, my biggest problems is never saying no. And something my CEO always said, if you need to say no more often you're you're gonna overwhelm yourself. So I I like I like to find, you know, where things were there was a great need for something, you know, where I could learn something new and and try something out. So Um, I I like to help so it's just kind of in my nature
0: cool yeah I hear that a lot from you know successful professionals who have had many different opportunities and had some some growth opportunities in their career that they were just proactive and maybe did some things without asking and it turned out you know in their favor but what what would be some advice that you would give to someone who maybe that doesn't come as naturally to um, to help them you know put themselves in positions to find or see those opportunities
1: You know, I would say, look for opportunities that interest you. So if there's a need somewhere and it seems interesting to you, uh, then I would pursue it and look at it and research it and then volunteer to help. You know, you can volunteer time. Sometimes companies will say, sure, you know, can I help with this project and tell them why tell them you want to learn it or let's say it's, there's a team member who who is already managing the project to say hey i'm you know this is something i want to learn technically or skill wise and you know just just pursue it It, but you have to look inside and say is this is something that interests me you know otherwise otherwise you'll get involved in something and and then you'll become overwhelmed and you won't like it and it becomes tricky then then you're then you're you're in deep
0: no, but if it is something you're interested in, I don't think many people will turn down free help, right?
1: Of course not. Generally not. Generally not. Um, you know, people are busy. They always have meetings. The bigger the company, the more. Um, but there, there are certain things that are easy to help with, right? Like I can help you test that site or I can help you uh, look at the usability of a site. I'm just using that as some examples. So you, you, let me, I could look at the usability of a site and give you some feedback um, you know, here's some feedback you probably didn't ask for, but I'm, <laughs> I'm providing it.
0: That, that's what I was going to ask next is, you know, so, some people are kind of timid, right? Whether it's asking for mentorship or asking to help out, um, that, that fear of rejection often holds people back from asking. So if someone is kind of more reserved of formally saying, Hey, can I help you volunteer some time? What well, would you suggest just kind of seeing where a need might be and uh, doing some work on your own and then offering it up?
1: Uh yes, that would be one way to do it. You could dive into the whatever it is, let's say Google Analytics site tracking or something. You could try to learn it, see if it's something that interests you. And just kinda take a like a mini dive on Udemy or something. Or um, you know, in the online course and see if see if it's something that uh would get you going. And if it does, then pursue it.
0: Cool. And so um, you ended up transitioning it into a, a formal product owner role. And I know you mentioned before that you were kind of doing uh, some of that um, with, with project management. There's, there's a lot of project management in product owner roles. So mm-hmm. it, it, did this opportunity come to you? Did you pursue it? What, what did that look like?
1: That's an interesting question. You know, it's it was, once again, it's, I grabbed another hat. And I started doing it, and basically, well, I started helping the mobile team uh, with testing, and then I I started, you know, helping writing user stories, and then I just got more and more kind of involved in doing uh, more working with the dev team on on checking the acceptance criteria and looking at the tickets and making sure that it was done right, and then it just kind of formed on its own into that type of role.
0: Very cool. And was that before or after uh, Percona, if I said that right?
1: Uh, Percona, yeah, you said that right. That was before.
0: Okay, cool. And, and so did that experience help with that transition or kind of amplify your desire to be a product owner full time?
1: It, yeah, it definitely amplified and kind of solidified my interest in that role, for sure, Okay. In that type of role.
0: Cool. And, and so did you go out and just start pursuing product owner roles, uh, wanting to do that full time? And like, not, how did you get over to Not Percona? really.
1: I, uh, Percona um, recruited me and, you know, and then I said, sure, let's, yes, that sounds really interesting. I wanted to help them with a the project they were working on.
0: Cool. So, you know, I, I feel like some who are listening and maybe even myself to an extent feel like some of us are naturally bent to go out and just kind of take on as much as we can. And it sounds like you were kind of doing that. Um, How do you manage your time uh, trying to get, you know, help with other people's problems or help, you know, with their bandwidth and then manage what, what you have to do day to day?
1: Yeah. And that's something I struggled with for years saying yes to everything and getting overwhelmed and then you dilute yourself and then your performance goes down. So yeah, it's something you have to really be careful of and cognizant of. And so, to cite the earlier example, is pursue one thing that you that interests you. Uh, is it data? Is it is it uh, agile? Is it writing user stories? You know, kind of go down that uh, path and just pursue that for a little while. Uh, don't try to take on too much. You'll just get diluted. It'll, it'll get noticed when you're overloaded, and you won't pre- you won't perform your best.
0: So true. So true. And I think going back to your earlier point of making sure that what you're helping out with on the side is of interest to you, mm-hmm. because if it is, it'll probably energize you. But if it's not, it'll drain energy from you, which will further amplify the, the problem of taking away from your uh, the job performance that you need for the role that you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to focus, you know, you have to focus on what you want to do and what you're doing.
0: Totally. And, and so I, I know I'm going to skip over um, one of the roles that you had, but le- leading up to this more senior uh, product manager position that you have now, mm-hmm. what, what do you feel like were some of the, the things that, that you did to kind of prepare yourself and set yourself up for a, a senior role within a larger organization?
1: So it's interesting. You know, I did the kind of the product owner role-ish, you know, for a mobile team. And I think what really kind of set me up for it was, believe it or not, a lot of online studying of uh, different best practices. Um, You know, and I I liked it. I was attending uh, different meetups at product school or something like that or watching uh, different courses online. I really, as the product manager role as it was defined in the industry, it seemed really interesting to me. It took... A lot of my background, which is diverse in my web, web development, QA, project management and support, which is quite a, a little while ago. And it kind of took it all and kind of combined it into one role for the most part. So I just learned all the terminology. I read crack the I think it's called crack the product management interview. I read that, you know, and I um, really tried to understand the lingo and the, the thinking around product management in the industry and the latest thinking. You know not 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 what was done in the past because product management is changing uh, a lot, uh, and some of the latest things are jobs to be done, which is a big thing, and uh, now, in the past three or four years, uh, which a lot of companies are uh, using to develop their features, especially even google
0: so so you did a lot of, a lot of studying, um, looked at kind of what some of the trends were in the field and made mm-hmm. sure that you were familiar with them and studied up on them to basically uncover what you needed to know that you might not have known at the time.
1: Correct. Correct. Very
0: very cool. And so someone like me who doesn't have a technical background, let's say a year and a half ago before I got into a product and didn't have, basically I was in the tech industry, but didn't wasn't technical myself per se. What advice would you give someone like me a year and a half ago trying to break into the product space?
1: You know, if you don't need a technical background, but it helps somewhat, it depends, on the, it depends on the company and the platform and the role and the team, right? They did, it helps to understand some technical nuances and technical challenges you might have, especially if what you want to implement will cause a lot of technical debt. You need to understand what that means. So I would say to, to really break into it, you could, you know, you need to kind of understand what a product manager does. I mean, is it something that you really want to do, you know, cause it is a very, uh, one of my old mentors told me it's, you're like the hub in the middle of a bicycle wheel and you have all these spokes coming into you and they're all basically inputs, right? If you want right. to visualize it that way. That's good. So, you, so you have to, you have to understand all the inputs and you have to be able to act on them and, and plan your um, product releases that way. I mean, is that something that interests everybody? Some people, if you're an ex-developer, you just want to focus on one thing and just code and not be in meetings all the time. So, you know, you just want to be left alone. So it just depends on how you work best. Do you, are you more of an introvert, extrovert? Do you like being in meetings, do you not? Do you want to just sit in front of a computer and, and work on something and, you know, let, let yourself be creative in that way? So you have to kind of think about that, how you, how you like to work.
0: Yeah, definitely lots of meetings, uh, stakeholders that you're involved with, so uh, yes. being overly yes. introverted might not be <laughs> the, the best personality type, but um, I do know some introverts who, who do the PM role pretty well.
1: But. Yeah, I mean, there's ways, there's ways to do it. I mean, I work remotely, so that yeah. helps, um, but working remotely almost makes you an introvert because introvert, <laughs> so, you're not constantly interacting with people. So. That's
0: funny. So you mentioned earlier that you had a mentor that gave you some advice and I really, I really think that mentorship is one of the most underrated things out there that professionals should be taking advantage of, of having and being a mentor. So take us through um, what the benefits were of having a mentor and and maybe some other things that you took away from that relationship.
1: Yeah. So mentorship is, it's in my experience, it's not something that every company does. Uh, You can, seek somebody out to try and let them know, you know, Hey, I would like you to be my mentor, you know, as I have questions. And it needs to be somebody outside your team. It needs to be somebody that's not your boss and needs to be somebody that you can bounce questions off in in confidentiality, you know, because we all have different struggles, you know, uh, political stuff in the company or questions about how to approach things. Um yeah, mentorship. I had a mentor that I leaned on unofficially, and that was based on our mutual interest in how to run teams. We kind of aligned on that. So I would go to him and say, What do you think of this? Cause he was you know, he was passionate about product, building products as much as I was. So that's where that came from. An official mentor years ago was assigned to me in a, pre- a company before grad school. And it was fine to understand you know, how the company worked, but it wasn't about what I was doing, really, because that person wasn't in my department. So it can, it can vary. It can be a mentor to help you navigate the, the company and the culture, or it can be a mentor to help you with your passion or your job, depending on who it is.
0: Yeah, sounds like both would be beneficial. One, within the company to kind of help you, especially if you're new, uh, navigate who's who and and what's what, but then someone maybe outside of your department or even outside of your company uh, specific to your craft. Correct, correct. Very cool. Correct. So this has been great so far, uh, Sean. I I really appreciate uh, all the insights and and all the learnings that you shared. So to to cap off, uh, I'd love to get... Kind of that final piece of advice that you would give if if there was one like critical piece of career advice you'd you'd want to give to our listeners uh, what would that be so career advice in
1: general you know there's two types of people out there there's the ones that are more entrepreneur mind and there's the ones that just want to do a job figure out who you are figure out what what you like to do um on a daily basis just for work. Don't try to put yourself in a in a role that just doesn't fit you. Don't don't force it. Um, really try to f- try to understand yourself. Once you do that, you can, and you understand what interests you. Uh, there's nothing stopping you. I mean, you can do almost anything.
0: Completely agree with that.
1: So, and it's tricky to do. It's not it's not an easy thing to figure out. A lot of us have many interests. And that's fine, but just grab one or two of them and pursue them. And that, that can take you down many roads. You can go down one road and then go to another road. And it, it many paths, you know, in life and many different career paths.
0: It's amazing you mentioned that because I've seen the same thing personally, where if you can find something you're interested in and start going down the road, then there's, there's naturally forks that you can take and it does lead to other opportunities.
1: Correct. Just like when I pursued QA and that led to another opportunity, led to another opportunity. So, correct.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Sean. I greatly appreciate the time and I feel like I learned a lot and I know our listeners did too. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I was Sean Kumar, senior product manager at one of the world's largest business travel agencies. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode as we continue to bring you key insights from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. To help others find us, feel free to share this episode and leave us a five star rating on iTunes and the Apple podcast app and a review telling others what you like about the show. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of podcast.